America's original and oldest heritage pack company, Duluth Pack, hosts a podcast led by CEO Tom Sega. Real stories with real people who we admire, plus outdoor industry conversations, business discussions, entrepreneurial advice, and more. Now enjoy this week's episode of Leader of the Pack. Hey, everybody, Tom Sega from Duluth Pack, and this is the Leader of the Pack podcast. And today, our guest is Lindsay Hayes of Forever Wild LLC. And, you know, we've known Lindsay for quite a few years at Duluth Pack. She's always been a, a, somebody who's carried our bags and very, very supportive of us and has been in the outdoor industry and has really thrived in that industry. So welcome, Lindsay. Well, thank you, Tom, for having me. And uh, yes, absolutely love Duluth, Minnesota. And when I came to town, I also found your shop down on uh, Canal Park and fell in love with those bags. So I, I sport them a lot of the year, actually almost every day of the year. Um, I, I'm sporting a bag and um, so happy to be here today. Well, thanks. Thanks for being here. And before we even jump in, you have some great news. So sport <laughs> bag, I think we're going to have to talk like an oversized diaper bag. Can you please indulge <laughs> us all, Lindsay? <laughs> yes, uh, thank you. We, we just welcomed twin boys two weeks ago. We have Easton James and Jackson Jordan. And so life has changed uh, to diaper duty and lots of feedings and cuddles. Um, and yeah, we're going to need the oversized, like deluxe Duluth pack bag for the number of uh, uh, diapers we're going to need in the diaper bag. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, life has changed and it's all for the better because you're going to snap your fingers and you're going to go, holy cow, these little boys grew up on me. How did all that happen? So congratulations. And, and as much as anything, thank you. Two weeks into this, I'm sure you're a little deprived of sleep. Thank you for being here with us and, 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 uh, and keeping your schedule with us. We do greatly appreciate it. So congratulations. And uh, this is awesome. Yes. Well, thank you. Uh -huh. So let's jump into your background. Tell us a little bit about who is Lindsay Hayes and then how you got this interest in the outdoors and, and then into college and how you found that love for the outdoors and, and what you were going to do in college into a career. Sure. So I am actually born and raised from Wisconsin. I grew up right down by the Wisconsin Dells, water park capital of the world. <laughs> I grew up, though, not by the water slides. I grew up out on the farm. So um, we had a small hobby farm, which is where I learned to hunt. It's also where I learned a strong work ethic <laughs> because dad put me to work from a very young age. I'm the oldest, so it was not like oh, you're a girl, you can't do this. It was, oh, you can do it all. And so my dad uh, taught me that from a young age of don't say just because you're a girl, she can't do this because um, he taught me to hunt right from 10 years old. I started going out in the woods with him. And, and that's really where my passion grew because it was that bond with my family, whether that be my dad, my brother, my uncles, my grandpa. Um, my mom doesn't hunt, but she... Uh, fries up some really good venison if we if we do get something. Um, and so yeah, that's where that passion started. I also played sports. I was a three sport athlete growing up. And I went on to college to play soccer at Southwest Minnesota State University. And when soccer, my career started to end um, towards my junior year in college was when I knew sports was my life and I love it and I don't know what I'm going to do next without it. And that's when I was like, I like to talk. I like to interview people and I like to tell stories. So I think I need to be on the sideline or doing play by play for sports. And that's the next best thing to playing. And so that's really where I took my broadcast journalism degree and dove in um, and started to do play-by-play -play and sideline reporting. My first official job at college was a weather girl. <laughs> and uh, I realized very quickly, I didn't want to talk anymore about uh, storm fronts coming in and it was more of sports that was my, my calling. But then that transitioned back to outdoors about seven years ago. And um, so I, I love the industry. And the main thing I love is just 
storytelling, whether it's sports, outdoors, or anything lifestyle. I just love to tell other people's stories. I think you really hit on something there when you talk about storytelling, because it's, I don't want it to be cliche because you hear a lot about it these days, but everyone likes to hear a good story. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves, your, boy, your little boys are going to be very lucky because everyone <laughs> loves to hear a good story as well. And, and I think that's very important. And, and knowing you as we do, we, we definitely can see that and, and have recognized that in you. You know, um, so in the beginning, the early stages, even before you were inside the outdoor industry, you covered the NFL, the NHL, the MLB, the NBA. Tell us a little bit about those experiences. Yeah, so um, I was fortunate enough, my internship actually is where that started. I came to Minneapolis and um, was hired by Fox Sports North as an intern. And that's where I started to just do all the grunt work. And I think that's the biggest thing I could say to anyone getting into any industry. Um, I think there's a lot of people these days that think like, oh, you just snap your fingers from your degree and then all of a sudden you're on ESPN college game day, you know, (laughs) not quite that that quickly. Um, For some it does, but those are far and few in between. Um, I did logging of twins games. So I would watch the game from the day before and I would log who got a hit or what, what happened in every inning. And that was like, what I did, you know, and it was like, oh, here we go again. But then I also initiated to talk to all the on-air talent and said, this is really my aspirations in life. And I would like to shadow you as much as I can. And so that's the season that Brett Favre came to the Minnesota Vikings, ages me a little bit, but that's okay, (laughs) was my season of the show Vikings Weekly. So I was a reporter behind the scenes um, for Vikings Weekly with the host and Carol. And I got to be out on the field interviewing the players after the games and going down to training camp and getting a feel for all of those things. And so that was my original sports career. Then I went to news and sports for a number of years. And then I went to Detroit, to Fox Sports Detroit, and I actually became what Ann Carroll was here in Minnesota. Um, that host for pre and post games and that sideline reporter. And I was like, I finally got my dream job. Um, This is super cool. And getting to cover the teams and tell their stories. um, You know, the players are very interesting people because a lot of them, I don't think we know how much hard work they really put in behind the scenes and the grind. And that was something that was very eye-opening to me because I was at their practices in the morning to see then they go to the training room and spend two and a half hours there. I mean, you want to talk about full-time job of becoming a new mom and the routine of like, like it's diaper change, then feed, then, you know, do it all over again. And that's a lot of what these athletes are doing on a daily basis as well to be at the caliber that they're at. So, um, to be honest, you were a pretty trained athlete. I mean, if you think about (laughs) it on what your day to day went through following these athletes around, can you give us a semblance of what that would be about when you're, you said, I'm at the training facility and then I'm, you know, I'm at the game and that's kind of the, the, the coup de gras, right? That's the, yeah. the really good stuff there. But there's got to be a lot of things that go into that for a reporter before on camera on that. Can you bring it, bring us a, uh, like a week in the life of, of Lindsay when she was doing that? Yeah. Well, the first thing I, I always like to preface is because this is the biggest question that I get about it is, does someone tell you what to say and what tell you what questions to ask? And I know my hair color is blonde, but believe it or not, no, I actually come up with the questions and I write a lot of my own stuff. Now there is a difference for if you're hosting a pregame show or if you're sideline reporting. So first of all, if you're hosting a show, And in Detroit, it was an hour-long pregame show and an hour-long postgame show. 
during the pregame show, things are scripted a lot more. So you'll know, okay, we're going to do a segment on this focus, like the outfield. How are they doing? Are they struggling? Whatever. In the postgame, it's a lot more ad lib. Like, you don't know how this game's going to go. And now we're here and you're going to just ad lib with your analyst. And you have to just be able to think on your feet reflect a lot of it is like me scribbling down notes during the game and being like okay you know so and so had two rbi today and they're now they've like stopped their hitting slump or something like that so you have to come up with those things and then the highlights after the game obviously are ad-libbed a lot because of the fact that it the game just got over and then they quickly edit those together and you have to be able to be, know who is who and what they did um, in the game. So it's a lot of note-taking as the game is going on to keep up to date on everything that happened and the main highlights of the game. Um, but it's super fun, you know, to be be able to analyze the game and have someone also there to do that. So my job is to ask good questions to get someone else, the analyst, to, to give me good answers. And so kind of like what you do, Tom, right? With this podcast, you ask the good questions to tee us up to hopefully hit a home run. <laughs> it is. It's, it's really, uh, but, but it also takes a person like you that can ad lib, that can take a question yeah and not answer yes or no. And even though you were on the other side, you were asking the questions, you you obviously have to learn very quickly that you don't ask closed end questions, a yes or no, you ask something so you can get somebody to tell the story because that's what you're trying to do is get somebody to actually tell that story is what I'm hearing you say. Yes, and another thing that I couldn't say enough about that I think in any interview that you're doing is to, like you have, great notes of questions that you want to ask, but then also throwing in a question if all of a sudden, like being a good listener, because I think that would be one of the biggest traits I would say in my um, career that I've learned to become a better listener, because you formulate questions, but then if you listen to that person's answer and all of a sudden they say something, it's sometimes better instead of going to the next question you had planned to ask a second question about what they just said. And, and that's so much better. So that'd be the biggest thing that I've learned from when I first started out. I was always like, these are my three questions. And then I asked them. Now it's more like, these are my three questions, but if they give me something good, I'm going to run with it. And forget and, the other questions at that point. Yeah. They don't matter. They gave me, right. good, they gave me good information here. Yes. But then just on, and then on the reporter side, um, that one's a little bit more elaborate. So you have a call in the morning, um, normally at eight or 9 AM and the producers will talk about what their hopes are for the day. But a lot of it starts way before that where I'm researching teams. And when I was in Detroit, I was covering the MLB, the NBA and the NHL. And so I might have one day of covering basketball, the next day covering hockey and the next day covering baseball because April in the D that's what they would call it in Detroit is crazy when you've got all three sports. Sure. So I am not only knowing about the Detroit Tigers, but I am also knowing about the team coming into town and I have to have three stories a day on the opposing team, three stories a day on the Tigers plus I also have to have in-game stories. So a story that you can have in the pregame can be an, a minute to two minutes because you can talk longer. A story in the game has to be like 20 seconds, maybe a little bit more, but you don't have a lot of time because you're going to be coming back from break and then the, the action's going to start again. So um, yeah, it's a very interesting thing, but then you go to practice in the morning Practice in the morning helps you get interview and sound with a lot of the players and really get to know the players um, outside of game day right before the game. Because then they turn on their game face and sure. they're just in, their, in that mode. So the morning, they're more relaxed. Then you go and you write your stories um, or try to plan them out the best you can after that. You try to find video or, or sound to go with your story, pictures, get those things edited with an editor. 
then you go back to the um, field or the arena and then you can ask follow-up questions in the locker room prior to the game and they give you a window of of time to do that and then all of a sudden you go and run out there and hope your hair and makeup still looks good to to do the live broadcast um because it's always rushed you know it's it's really up until game time you are like sweating running from here to there to the, you know get your stories um but it's it, it's an adrenaline rush of its own and uh, a lot of fun that's really cool so that uh that work ethic uh, you gained growing up on a farm was uh was valuable in your, in your sports career yes definitely <laughs> no kidding so but it's, some of the people i have to tell you this because i think this is and people always ask this one too who are some of the people that you've gotten to interview that you've really enjoyed? And um, for Minnesota, we'll, we'll start there. But um, interviewing, you know, Brett Favre and Adrian Peterson was on the team um, at that time. Uh, Jared Allen was, was on the team at that time. Ben Lieber, still very um, adamant, and Chad Greenway in this um, area of Minnesota. All of these guys, I will say, the ones I just named, they're amazing athletes and everybody knows them from the Vikings for that, but we'll talk about good people. And I, I can't say enough about how I got to see them just as a person and not that athlete. And Brett Favre, I do an interview with him and I ask him, you know, Bernard Berrien was on the team, a uh, wide receiver, and he just likes to wear his Chanel and Gucci and everything after the game. So he wanted to tell me about what he was wearing all the time. And then there's Brett Favre. And I asked him, I said, Brett, what are you wearing? What's your post, you know, game wardrobe? He's like, a gray shirt, some Wranglers and tennis shoes, you know, and that's Brett Favre. <laughs> and Whatever so his wife set out for him, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, the only brand Brett knows I thought was Wrangler because he at least got that plug in there. But yeah, it was so it's just, you know, it's great to see them as people. And I think that's kind of fun. So let me ask you, when you're in Detroit, because I'm, as you know, I'm a huge hockey fan and, and uh, Nick Lidstrom, did you have a chance to interview Nick Lidstrom? So I didn't interview him for like an actual show, but I got to meet him. And another one who's uh, just phenomenal guy. Also, the coach was Mike Babcock. Right. Huge outdoorsman. Um, and that was actually something that's really funny. In speaking of the outdoors, of I always really try, instead of going up to someone and just shoving a microphone in their face, I try to find a common ground of something that's relatable. And that was one of the things I heard a, about Mike Babcock. And he's a little bit of a tough cookie to break. He's very he's just like serious. And so I went up to him and instead of asking a question about hockey, I just had said, so hunting season's coming up. I think I'm going to get a bigger buck than you this year. What do you think? And instantly walls came down pictures came out. He's got hunting stories to share with me. And I shared some back. And boy, let me tell you, anytime I needed an interview after that, I was a little bit higher on the list, I think, for a yes. <laughs> All you had to do is bring out the picture of the big buck that you had. And, and just make sure it's a little smaller than his, his or he might say, no, right. Lindsay, we're not doing this. Exactly. You know, and like you said there, again, you brought up about storytelling and, and getting that commonality with somebody when you're doing that, which has to be just crazy important, not only in the sports industry, but now let's transition to your outdoor industry because you were you were just doing that for us. You made it real easy because you're talking about Mike Babcock and, and hunting because you then transitioned from your stereotypical sports that we watch on weekends on TV and whatnot to the outdoor sport industry. What what caused that for you? Obviously, you told us some of your background about hunting and 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 growing up on a farm and all of that, and you, that you like to do that. But I mean, you had a great career going in the, the mainstream <laughs> sports, and you made a decision to transition. Help us through that. Yeah, it was actually a really difficult uh, 
like back and forth do is this what i want to do this is kind of a big leap um but it was one of those that i got to my dream job and i realized that storytelling was still at a minimum i guess on the sideline because you're only getting 20 seconds to tell those stories or maybe a minute and i wanted to just do a little bit more long form storytelling to really dive in and be in depth so that was kind of uh, when i had a friend from minnesota reach out and say there's this opportunity i just heard of at the midwest emmys they're looking for a female host for a national show that is outdoor related and lindsay like this is right in your wheelhouse for the hobbies that you have and it seems like a natural fit so i actually came to minnesota thinking i'll give it a shot to go and hear more about this opportunity but i wasn't really sure i was leaving sports and i truly came to minnesota and heard about getting to ride atvs and travel around the country and show off the best destinations to ride and getting to hunt and fish and not need to take time off to do those things because that's part of the job and i was like huh this sounds pretty good i think i need to consider this yeah. actually i already know i left minnesota on the plane ride back to uh, detroit i was like it's a yes i'm going to minnesota <laughs> that is really so. cool so it's like it was almost it was like well okay i walk into this interview and they tailor made it for me <laughs> <laughs> exactly yes so that was with who so that was with ron share productions mm -hmm. and i did that and the shows that i worked on there were destination polaris which aired on fox sports all across the country and then also on wild tv in canada and then i also worked on another show called made for the outdoors that aired nationally on the sportsman's channel that was more focused on looking at a product how it's made and then actually using that product out in the outdoors and that's where we met um and we actually came to feature duluth pack and one of the things that i love most about working on made for the outdoors was really highlighting companies that are making quality products right here in the usa and then taking it one step further right here in minnesota and i have been blown away at truly how many outdoor companies call minnesota home just because of how fabulous our work um forces here and how they care about quality and just that's been so fun to dive into and it's been really fun to get to the biggest thing for me what about you guys being on that show was your story and your story has such rich history that these bags aren't just a bag they're a story of the person who hunts with them or fishes with them or camps with them and then it's the story of how long you have had this business like be successful you know it's amazing to have a company like duluth pack that's done so well for so long so it was really fun to tell <laughs> when, when we first met i remember that because in in you were talking about the outdoors and you and i really hit it off because we're both very outdoors people and we, we were doing a lot of storytelling before we even gave you a tour and did all that and what i found really neat was you got really excited about all those other outdoor companies, whether they were Minnesota or in the Midwest or wherever in North America that you got to tour and you're like, they make that right there. And you should see how cool it is. In fact, I, I very distinctly remember one of our stories because you and I had toured the same factory and shot one of their handguns of 50 caliber and, uh, <laughs> you're like whoa that thing has a punch to it doesn't it, yeah, um, it does. you, you had just been there like you know within the last month or something like that so we we had a lot in common right away and and a lot of the stories you were telling us was you're really passionate about what you do uh in the outdoors and why you're doing it in the outdoors and why you want to tell those stories about um whether it was you know the destinations with destination polaris or whether it was 
made for the outdoors and all these companies making cool products and then and then uh, you getting to go do it. In fact, uh, the last thing I'll say about Duluth Pack with that is that um, we highly recommended that Lindsay kept her day job because <laughs> sewing for a living wasn't going to quite cut it because we had her sew and uh, and and you know what you got to just keep in your lane, don't you? <laughs> you do. You definitely do. My grandma's going to be so sad because you know she tried to teach me for the longest time and I just don't have the straight stitch quite like grandma, but. And Tracy, I'll never forget that, you know, you talk about your workforce and the people. Um, I so enjoyed meeting everybody that worked at Duluth Pack and just really, you have such a great group there. And I think that has to be so fun to go to work every day and just have such quality people around you. But I'll never forget Tracy's laugh. Oh man, she could so well. So I'll, I'll leave it to her. <laughs> she's very, she's very talented, and we hear that laugh often. So that's, that's good. We, yeah, you have to have a good culture where it's okay for people to laugh at work, and and we really enjoy that. So now you're in the outdoor industry. You're in it full blown. You're running all over North America because I know that when we left after you were up at one of these shows, uh, that that when you were visiting with us. You were literally heading to the Baja of Mexico to go out in the sand dunes, and you said, "Hey, Tom, this is no fun. This is all work." Um, you, did a, you did a lot of that, but then in in 2020, you started making some transition, and you started. You got named pro staffer for some some pretty cool brands. Yes, Rathala, Mission Archery, Vortex Optics, Optics Mountain Dew. Tell us what goes into being a pro staffer. What, what what goes on to your, I mean, obviously they don't just send you a whole bunch of stuff and you go, hey, thanks. <laughs> no, yeah. So um, what I ended up doing is I've partnered and I'm actually, Outdoor Bound TV is another television show here in the Midwest. It airs on ABC affiliates all throughout the Midwest. And um, so that's another show that I am, am now working on as a pro staffer. And they were the ones who had, I had already had some connections to some of these brands, um, but we've been doing some storytelling and doing some video for that. And so um, with it, a lot of it is just that, um, that you are an advocate for that brand to say, hey, I'm going to be out doing all of these things. Will you try out our new gear? Will you give us an honest review of that? Or we like the stuff that you're doing or the types of stories you're telling. We would love to have our brand be a part of that with you. And so a lot of it is still doing exactly what I've been doing uh, for a long time. I'm, I have really prided myself in my career in being a storyteller and not an influencer. And I do think that there today is a very big blur in this world of social media of where you kind of are. There is nothing wrong with starting a blog. There is nothing wrong with having a podcast and you doing it just on your phone start somewhere. That's what I like to tell everyone, whether you are a pro or you are a beginner, there is a place for you and you have a voice and people, whether it's one listener or 1 million listeners, like do it. You know, that's, that's what I would say to that. But I just want to have people know for my career and for like what I do as a profession, I'm a storyteller. I'm not a pose with a fish, look at this gear, you know, person. So a lot of the pro staff um, deals that I have been working with are a little bit different because of that fact that some of them, I will write blogs for them as well. Some of them I will do voiceover or writing of a script and editing um, as well as just go fish with Rapala gear and things. And so um, it's been super fun, but yeah, there's all sorts of different pro staffer, um, I guess, rules and regulations and contracts, and you get to kind of call the shots and choose where that lies for you. But um, I can't say thank you enough to all of my sponsors who have backed me through the years because they've backed me when I was single and traveling the world. They've backed me when I've been six months pregnant with a big belly out the front going fishing in the boat and still saying post that picture we're about family too and we love it so it's been pretty fun to see so, 
that, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and so each one has different responsibilities and duties, and it's really just between you and them on what you've negotiated that they they want from you and what you feel you can deliver to each one of them. You know, one yes. of the things I heard you loud and clear say is, is that you use the equipment and you find things that are, you know, good or or bad with it. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people will be, yeah, yeah, you know, as a, a pro staffer, you're not going to say anything bad about it. Well, you might not go out and 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 lambaste a, a company on a, a blog or on a podcast, but you would certainly, as a pro staffer, I would assume have the responsibility and the duty to come back and say, hey, I found this flaw, or I think this is wrong, or I think this could be improved to help those companies be better. Yes, 100%. And we do that. And they require that kind of of us to really, they are, there are those follow up calls of here's the new gear, you get it first, go try it out, take some photos of you in those things, let us know what you think, and then let us know what we should improve on. And a lot of those improvements, I have been able to really, it's been fun to see you know, bibs from one year and then to the next year and to see those improvements and be like, awesome, like this is, you know, way better. And what better way to do it than somebody who's out there on a routinely basis, you know, using the gear and actually putting it to use and beating it up and, and things like that. And the other fun thing has been, I've really enjoyed, you know, I don't just rep every product that comes my way. Um, and that's another thing that I think is very important to, there are people that want to send you stuff for free and say, Hey, that, you know, here, try this. But I'm very selective about that because I don't want any of my social media or something to have people feel like, Oh man, she's trying to sell us something. You know, that's not my goal. Um, my goal is to be authentic and, and then also wrap the products that I really do use. And those are the only ones that I will say yes to. I don't chase the dollar that way. I, I chase the dollar telling good stories. And then the branding is kind of like, I'll wear the stuff, but I'm not going to sit here and do a sales pitch every day on, on my social media. So, um, yeah, I think there's a, a, a big fine line of what's good and and what can be overkill a little with that so after this last year are we going to see uh some 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 bibs for people who are six months pregnant is that what we can <laughs> see coming after this last year hey well you know it was really funny this turkey season um i actually i laugh because you never know when you post stuff on social media what's gonna like fly and take off and what things are going to be like, oh, do so, so. So I actually, my pants throughout turkey season, like the first week I went out, um, I was, I think, 18 weeks and it was, you know, I could still button my pants, my turkey and <laughs> camo. And by like the last week when I actually got my Tom, uh, my pants, I could no longer button because the belly was so low that it was like, no. So I used like a hair tie to like loop it through and then loop it to the button. And so there was like a gap of probably almost three, four inches. And I just took a picture with, of, of, that and i had like 30 people reach out about like the hair tie is so hilarious like great idea i'll keep that in my back pocket and i'm like nobody's talking about my tom uh, you're asking me the story of the turkey they just all wanted to talk about me popping out of my pants so you know it's well, maybe, it's always funny a new style of stretchy stretchy pants for pregnant women and guys who put on a few pounds <laughs> Exactly. I, I think it could be universal. Both men and women alike could use some elastic pants. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So now you enter the entrepreneur ranks. Tell yes. us all about Forever Wild LLC. You know, it's always been a dream of mine um, to have my own business. And that was something that I had thought of back in college. So it's really been a work in progress and from the start, because I truly believe to be a good entrepreneur or CEO or someone of a leadership role, even like yourself, you have to almost experience everybody's job under you 
and really know what they do and how hard they work and what their goals need to be to be able to kind of lead the pack uh, at the end. And so that's um, kind of where I've gotten to in my career now is that I've done a lot of different positions and now I really wanted to take full ownership and have the say of what what projects I'm working on and which projects I want to pass on and to keep going with that. So it's uh, in its infancy, but basically I am able to do commercials, script writing. I will, under the production kind of company, I will help facilitate all of the people that will get a job done. So a client can come to me, say, this is what I need. I need four videos. They need this. I need scripts written. I need voiceover. I need editing, all of those things. And then I hire out contractually all of those different positions to get the job done. And um, a lot of the times I'm also working very closely on those projects as well. So it's been great. And it's only just beginning. Um, I also have the dream still to have my own show. And so uh, mama put that on hold. Well, babies were cooking in the oven, but look out 2022. Uh, there's a lot of new things that are going to be coming uh, your way to, to get to witness along with. And, and we're really excited about that. So we might have in the future years a couple of little boys on film getting their first turkey <laughs> or their first white-tailed deer, the first grouse. Yes, I hope to. I hope to have that. And as long as they want it, you know, it's really funny. Uh, opposites attract. My husband could not hate the camera more, but he takes really good photos. So it works perfect. And mom uh, likes to do the hosting and be around the camera and things. So maybe the boys will be like dad. And if they want to just be not on camera and go get their big bucks without that, that's fine. But if they do want to, I will welcome it with open arms and maybe we'll have a a twin show or something who knows <laughs> there you go so let's let's talk about people who are listening to this somebody who might be in college or somebody in high school or somebody who's in their career and they're going you know i really like what i'm hearing lindsay say if somebody's interested in a career in journalism in reporting what do you recommend to them what what directions do you recommend they go so it's kind of crazy, actually, but I would recommend as early as a little kindergartner can already start to become a seasoned storyteller and broadcaster because of the fact that these days kids in school have their iPads, they're working on them 24-7, they're actually editing videos and doing things. My husband's a fifth grade teacher and even his fifth grade class is editing videos and has to do certain projects like that but that's where it starts i think if you have a passion for storytelling and going through those videos then that's where it goes and um and so um i think that it has you know something to do with that of just being in having a passion for telling a good story can start at any age. And I really think that the biggest thing that you need to do is just have fun with it, whether it's a blog or a YouTube channel, or then once you start to get to school, getting in as many public speaking classes as you can. I know that was the dreaded class in high school was a speech for many, and I actually loved it. And I was like, I know I'm kind of weird, but if you love it um, and you can get up in front of people and do that, do it. And so that'd be where I'd start communication or broadcast journalism are the types of degrees um, that work really well in the industry. And then just continue to follow your passion. There's so many different avenues um, that aren't just mainstream news, but you got to remember you have to put in the reps. Um, you might have your first job be one that's not what you love. And I was a weekend news reporter and I had to turn grinding days of telling stories 
that I didn't necessarily want to be telling, but it got me the reps to know how to be on air and to articulate what I wanted to say. And that was what that step was for. And so I think that's the biggest thing is just remembering the dream job doesn't happen day one, but keep working towards that dream job. Awesome. And so I think you may have answered this next question, that is how to stand out versus the competition. And, and I think you may have just answered that with what you said that, that about that hard work and that your dream job might not be the first one, but you've got to go through that and you need to learn these things. Yeah, I think also just being authentic, you know, that um, that was something else that I have really had in my career that I don't know if a lot of others have is that I've dabbled in a little bit of each industry. I did news. I did sports. I did outdoors. I've done lifestyle. I've done like kind of entertainment type of videos and things. And I realized which ones were an okay fit, but they weren't the best fit. And this outdoor industry sports where I am right now, I just feel like I'm not trying to be somebody else. I'm not trying to be the best hunter. I'm not trying to be the best angler out there. I'm trying to tell the best story and highlight other people's passion that is also the same passion I have. And so that'd be what I'd say is just stay true to yourself and don't try to be a on-air talent voice or so, like be yourself uh, and hopefully people respect that and like that. <laughs> that that is really good advice to to anybody is just be yourself um, that is so important and, and i think a lot of people want to be liked by so many people and and be everything to everyone and and you can't be yourself and i i couldn't agree more with you that's i think that's wonderful advice so you have in your career a lot of contacts and you network with a lot of people walk us through some of that because you don't have that day one right and i would say that would probably be the thing that i have would relate the majority of my success to has never been um about just working hard it's also always networking and always talking to people not only about like hi, what do you do? But also about what your dreams are, because I'll never forget as an intern back at Fox Sports North, I told a producer that I really had a dream someday to be a sideline reporter. And it just so happens when I was in La Crosse, Wisconsin, working in news, doing the morning show as a morning anchor, that producer called me out of the blue saying, hey, it hasn't been posted yet, but there's going to be a job opening in Detroit for a sideline reporter at Fox Sports Detroit. Just wanted to give you a heads up. That heads up turned into me getting that job because before it was posted, I already had contacted them. I had already given them my resume and I already had flown out to actually meet them in person. Um, and so I think that that networking trail is where that's done from. And so um, I think it's just so important to consistently do that. And trade shows are a great place. Um, and when I started back in the outdoor industry, that was a place where I really went to get to know everybody. And then to go from there and really look at online and find out those stories of who's running what and knowing your stuff so that you know those companies when you go to to meet them and continue to follow up because um, the outdoor industry is a very large industry it continues to grow but it is also a very very small network also and people are very well interconnected so I think it's important um, and that's been another great thing of networking where one brand has rep me for a couple of years and they've told someone else about me and then I get a random call on a Tuesday and I'm like, I had no idea that you were going to call and great, thank you. So, you know, that's the thing, if I could say anything, network and get to know people. Um, first is people though. And then secondly, if you want to talk business, interject the business as a part, but have that be a different call. Don't have that be the same first initial high. 
I think that is some really, really good uh, advice. So Lindsay, from a social media standpoint, things have really changed over, over careers. Uh, and, and how do you make sure that you're always presenting yourself professionally when it comes to social media and other networking platforms? Yeah, I do think that it is very important to talk social media because a lot has changed uh, and continues to change. And um, you do have to understand that when you choose a career uh, wherever you go, that you are constantly then also expected to act a certain way, not only in public when people see you, but also on your social media channels. And so that's been something that I have really focused on throughout my career that I try to keep my professional life and my work um, a focus of my perf like professional pages and then also certain aspects of my personal life I am willing to share but then there are other parts of my life that I choose to just keep private and just for me. And I think that um, it's a very happy medium and a balance that you come up with of what works best. Um, but for me, I just want people to know that the same person that they see on social media is the same person that they get in, in person. And so you're going to get the same respect level of I, I, that I demand in person is the same kind of respect level that I want on my social media. And if grandma can't see a post on social media, then it should be there because grandma is looking at everything. And so that's kind of my basis of make grandma proud and then you'll be okay. <laughs> that's really good advice to people. Make grandma proud. She's always watching over your shoulder. <laughs> that's awesome. So tell us how people find you. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. So um I have my own website. It is lindsayhayestv.com. And on there, you can see a lot of the content that I have created and productions that I've been a part of. Um, but then also for social media, I'm on Facebook as Lindsay Hayes, and I am on Instagram as at Lindsay Hayes TV, and also on Twitter, that's my handle. And yeah, I would love to Number one, if you have a great story, hear about it because you never know when I'm in need of another great story to tell. So please send them my way. Number two, just stop in and say hi or tell me your big buck story. I can't tell you how fun it's been for me and my career to be at the grocery store or at a trade show or some or somewhere random and have someone come and say, hey, I got to tell you this fishing story or, or this hunting story. Um, I would love to hear them. Awesome. So people follow Lindsay. Lindsay's an awesome person. What I will tell people is you are the same person that I met the first time I met you. And, <laughs> and I, I would say that's a really good thing that people just, you're true to yourself, you are who you are, and you're just authentic. And so I give you huge kudos for that because, you know, you mentioned that, that just be true to yourself and, and be who you are and, and, and tell a good story. So we're going to go through a couple of quick questions here that have nothing to do with your career this is <laughs> right. to know a little bit about you favorite movie favorite movie is pretty woman oh i love any movie with julia roberts in it she is another authentic one i think <laughs> there you go biggest fear biggest fear is i th i would have to say oh that one's a tough one I think it's not accomplishing everything I want to because I, I feel like I get to a goal and then like I'm already on to the next goal and I'm, uh, my, I'm always fearful that I'm not going to accomplish enough, I guess. <laughs> oh, come on. It's supposed to be like I, I don't want to get attacked by a bear when I'm walking out to my deer stand or something. You're going to be out in your deer stand with your phone burning up batteries because you haven't accomplished enough. Okay, okay, biggest fear, you should see. I will actually send you a picture after this. And if anyone else wants to see these sheds, they can go onto my Instagram. But my brother found a matching pair of sheds this year of this buck that we have had on trail camera for a number of years and he is called the ghost 
So another fear of mine is if the ghost physically walks within range in front of my stand and I miss, like I need to get this deer if it comes by me because it will be Boone and Crockett like on the front of a lot of people's magazines if I can get it. And so anyway, that would be another fear. <laughs> there you go. I'm okay with that one. <laughs> You're going to miss them, though, if you're staring at your phone doing all that work. I know. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Best piece of advice uh, would probably be from my dad, and it would be never say, I can't. You know what? My dad said the same thing. Can't is the worst four-letter <laughs> word you can ever say around me, used to say. The great <laughs> advice from your dad. And the last one, what has been your favorite hunting trip ever? Oh, that one's a tough one, but I would have to say, well, first of all, my favorite hunting experiences are always on the farm. So I've lived only one place my entire life. It's only one place I've ever called home. And that is the farm down by the Wisconsin Dells. I've had my same stand since I was 12 years old. And it's literally Lindsay's Ridge, part of the woods that is mine. And so to have that for 30 plus years um well not not quite the same i i'm not i haven't been hunting for 30 years just yet but at the same time my whole life having right. that stand there um has been very special but i did have an amazing experience going up to saskatchewan and i got a whitetail the first day of the week and on the fourth day of the week i also got my first ever mule deer and um the the experience up there of literally they just set you out in the woods and it's like negative 20 degrees at dark and you sit there until dark all alone by yourself you bring your own food and what happens to you out there is what happens and it was quite an experience to um, have both of those successful uh, hunts in the same week um, yeah, and it was just an experience I'll, I'll never forget and am so thankful for. So uh, that was, yeah, that was pretty special. So everybody, this is the leader of the pack. And today our guest has been Lindsay Hayes from Forever Wild LLC, brand new mom of twins. We appreciate you taking the time. Did not know you were doing this interview from the hospital. <laughs> We found out while we were in the middle of the podcast, but folks, until next time, unplug from the indoors and recharge in the outdoors. Thank you for listening to another episode of Leader of the Pack. Don't forget to rate this podcast, and we would certainly be grateful if you'd give us five stars. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. Follow Duluth Pack on social media at Duluth Pack. And shop online at DuluthPack.com. Don't forget to support American jobs and buy American made.